How are we doing? Good, good. Happy New Year. Am I allowed to say Happy New Year still? We're 9th of January. Is anyone bored of Happy New Year yet? Has anyone had that kind of, have you had to set up an auto-delete on your emails for the Happy New Year emails that come through? That's dangerous, that is, because sometimes people start with Happy New Year and then give you lots of work to do. But just, uh, just be aware. It is, um, obviously it's a new year. Um, does it feel like a new year? For me? No, no. See, very, very strong from Jess there. It doesn't feel like a new year um, at all for, for Jess. I don't know if it feels like a new year for you. New year is a weird concept. Um, because I, I don't know about you, if you think about how you treat new things. So if you have new clothes, you enjoy wearing those new clothes. You get excited about wearing those new clothes. You'll walk into work and, and think, ooh, who is this attractive person walking into work this morning? Because you can see your own reflection in the doors as you, you walk. Is that just me? Might, might be. Or if you get new shoes, you obviously do that weird walk you do in the shoe shop, but you also do that kind of walk for the next few weeks where you're trying to just... See what your shoes look like as you, you walk. No? Again, just, just me. Anyone? New car? Has anyone ever had a new car? Because you get that new car smell, don't you? There are there's certain subsections of society. If you were to bottle that and turn it into an aftershave, you could have New Car by Paco Rabanne. And people would buy it. I, do, I genuinely think people would buy it. Notes of fabric and the little Christmas tree air freshener that goes under, under the, the mirror. Have you ever had a new house? where you've sat in the new house and there's nothing in it and you just think the possibilities of this room what what can I put in different places all of my stuff I've already planned out where it's going to be if you paint a new room you might sit in that room for the first time and think do you know I like this room now I didn't like it when it was beige I like it now that it's mauve or whatever whatever color you, you I don't know it's the first color that came into my head but the point when we when we think about new things if you get a new gadget you're excited about it you can't wait to try it out you look look at kids when they get new stuff for christmas they get really excited about it and they just can't get can't wait to get stuck in new year is a weird one isn't it because for many of us you don't feel that different because time is a funny thing. It's, it's a bit of a, it's a weird construct that we've kind of invented. Um, which actually, you know, if you think about it, right now, this next second that's going to happen in approximately 20 seconds time is the only time that that second will ever happen. And it's new and it's exciting and something amazing may happen in it. And it's just gone. And years can feel a little bit like that. I don't know if you... I stayed up until midnight. I made it to midnight, which for a parent with relatively small kids is actually quite impressive. I, I won't say that I didn't doze in the run-up to, uh, to midnight. Um, but from 11.59 to 12.01, how many people felt drastically different? No, not, not really. I, I felt about as tired at 12.01 as I did at 11.59. And it's a funny thing, really, because 1st of January, we're the 9th of January now. But we've, so we've been in 2022 for about nine days, give or take. And for some of us, not a great deal will have changed in terms of the way that we feel. All of the stuff that was in last year has kind of followed us into this year. If you've gone back into work like I have, you've realized from the emails that came through over the Christmas period that all the stuff that was still there in December or was there in December is still here in January. But we create this kind of concept of new year 
along and celebrate it and choose to celebrate it. And we celebrate the 1st of January more than we do, obviously, the 9th of January or the 12th of April, unless the 12th of April is your birthday, in which case you might celebrate it a bit more. But you get my point. We've selected the 1st of January as this turnover point into a new year. And the messaging that goes along with that sometimes is all about the excitement of the new year and what's going to happen, all the possibilities and things that may come for the new year. But we don't necessarily feel that, but we still ascribe to that way of thinking. New Year's resolutions is a common thing, um, and it, it's always a case, you know, it's generally a case of something superficial, so you want to eat healthier, or you go to the gym, or you're going to stop doing a particularly bad habit that you have, or anything. And we choose the 1st of January as the day that we should do that. The 28th of December was a perfectly good day to start doing that, unless, obviously, you, unless you had the same issue that I still have, which is there's still too much chocolate and biscuits and things in your house, in which case the 1st of January is a completely illogical time to start a diet. Because you've still got all this temptation. If sort of 3rd of February would be far more appropriate. But we choose the 1st of January and we choose to want to have all these exciting and new things that, and, and good intentions and things that we're going to do. Why do we do that? Why do we have that kind of that hope for, for, the, for, for the future? Why, why do we have that? And I, I think there's a part of us that sometimes just need that moment to make a decision. You need to have a date in the diary of this is the time when I'm going to make a change. And there's also a kind of a deep-seated need that actually we want to hope for something better. For many of us, 2021 was not great. For many of us will remember when we left 2020 and went into 2021, you'd hear people say things like, oh, 2021 had better be better than 2020. And for for a lot of us, it, it really wasn't. And we don't want to do that again. I don't want to do that again in 2022 and come to the end of 2022 and think, oh, do you know what? It wasn't as good as 2019 or 28th. Oh, do you remember 2017? I don't. I've got small kids, so I've got no idea what happened in 2017 other than one of my children was born in 2017. I do remember that. I do. Thanks. <laughs> Saved that. Got away with it. Um, but it's, it is, it's a funny thing, isn't it? You, you kind of you hope for the future. And I think there is that kind of deep-seated need within us to want a moment in time where actually we can say, do you know what? Everything that's gone before, I'm going to leave. And I want something more for the future. I want something new for the future. And I think some of that um, is us resonating with part of the character of God. Because if you look at the Bible, if you look at the things that God says, God is a God of the new thing. God wants to bring new things to you. It recurs time and time and time again through scripture. I'm going to do a very, very quick whistle-stop tour of just some of the things that God talks about and promises in the Bible as new things. These have all got Bible references attached to them. Um, But within the Bible, you've got new heart, a new spirit, new strength, New disciples, new believers, a new way, a new nature, new wine, new wineskins, new covenant or agreement, new birth, new growth, a new song, new heavens and a new earth, a new day dawning, new person and a new life. And that's just a cursory kind of Google search through. Does anyone want some of that in 2022? If you're sitting there and thinking, eh, 
Can I encourage you to get some, some enthusiasm and energy and stir yourself a little bit? The Bible talks about stir up, wake up my soul, stir your spirit. Can I encourage you to do that this morning? Because life will suppress and repress and try and push all of that stuff down as much as it possibly can. Can I suggest January 2022, don't allow that to happen. Don't allow the suppression of that hope because there is hope for something new. You know, Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means he is the same in 2022 that he was in 2021, 2020, 2019, 2017. I've skipped 2018 for some reason. But he's the same now as he was then. He's the same now as he was 2,000 years ago. God does not change. And his desire to bring new things out, his desire to give you new gifts, his desire to bring new things and new blessing into your life is the same now that it always has been. And we have an opportunity today, 9th of January, forget 1st of January, it's gone, 9th of January, to choose to step into that blessing and receive some of the things that he has for us. Because you know, many of us will have done New Year many, many times. And you may have made decisions many times to change something in your life. You may have made decisions to focus on God a bit more, to to read the Bible a bit, to pray a bit more, to, to do different things that you felt were necessary to put you back into relationship with God. And it and it may have been good for for a time, and then you may have struggled. Or it may have continued. But today is a new day. You know, when you woke up this morning, it was a new day. It still is. It's a new day today. God has new things in store for you. Isaiah 43, 15 to 19, says this. says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlewick. That's referencing one of the key events in the people of Israel coming into the first covenant with God, the new relationship with God, coming out of Egypt, being rescued from Egypt, going into the desert and on that journey and trajectory towards the promised land. So... I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, made a dry path through the sea, called forth the mighty army of Egypt and all of its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves. They drowned their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlewick. Next verse. Forget all that. Sorry, what? Can you imagine when Isaiah wrote those words to the people of Israel or spoke those words to the people of Israel and had them documented, the response that that might have created? Forget all that. We've been remembering that and passing that down generation to generation, year to year. Every year they would have Passover to remember the sacrifice that um, the people of Israel that uh, the people of Israel had at that moment in time, the time in slavery, and the time when G- when God brought them out of Egypt and into the journey to the Promised Land. Isaiah is saying, "Nah, forget all that. It's old. It's gone. It's nothing." compared to what I am going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? 2022. God is about to do something new. He's already begun. We're nine days in. Do you not see it? I'm going to make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. That passage goes on 
to ultimately culminate in I, I alone, will blot out the sins of the people. This is one of the key passages for telling the coming of Jesus. Ultimately, what is going to culminate in Jesus coming and bringing a new direction and a new purpose. But it starts with everything that's gone before, forget it. I'm doing something new. And at the start of 2022, that's what I want us to focus on, is God is doing something new. You know, we've got Vision Sunday next week. This is a hopefully whetting your appetite, building up some anticipation for what God is going to do for us as a church, but also what, you, what God is going to do in your life in 2022. Whatever has gone before, whatever disappointment 2021 held, whatever difficulties it held, whatever things that you've carried through into 2022, forget all that. I am doing a new thing. I've already begun. Do you not see it? I believe God wants to open our eyes this morning to see something new today. And I want to focus on one or two things from the list that I read to you earlier, the things that God has promised through Scripture. Um, And I'm just going to focus in on on two things, merely because they spoke to me. And I think sometimes that's as valuable um, as anything. Um, But I want to talk about... Um, obviously, this is a new year. We're, t- we're talking about new year, new you, essentially, is the kind of strap line that we've got today. But I want to focus first on new year, new wine. There's a story in several of the Gospels, actually, but in John 2, verse 1 to 12, we get this story of Jesus going to a wedding. And I'm just going to read it to you, and then we'll we'll pick out a few things. Next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his his disciples were also invited to the celebration. For context, this is obviously early in John's Gospel. This is early in Jesus' career, essentially. He has just gone through the baptism with John. He's come back out. Holy Spirit's descended. um, He's gone out into the wilderness. He's come back. He's called some of his disciples, so he's got some disciples with him. This is the next thing that happens. So Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. That's a good wedding. It's either a good wedding or poor planning. It's one of the two. We don't know which. Um, But the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. In other words, I wasn't planning on doing this. But since I'm here, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine... Not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first. He said, then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brother, and his disciples. This is the first time that Jesus did a miracle. It's the first time that he revealed his glory and he brought new wine to a wedding ceremony. Brand new wine, made fresh from water. 
Now, if you look at new wine throughout the Bible, new wine is something that is a recurring theme. And it's a recurring theme because it speaks of particular things. It speaks about blessing, speaks about prosperity, speaks about peace because you could only create, you could only grow grapes and press them and create wine during times of peace because it wasn't physically possible during times of war. It spoke of a new blessing and prosperity and was also one of the things that was referenced multiple times in the promised land when they talk about the promised land that was flowing with milk and honey which tends to be the famous one but also new wine is a recurring theme that comes through in the verses that talk about the promised land or the thing to come so Jesus is referencing in his actions all of this history that would have been well known to the people who were there at that moment in time and they will understand the implications and the subtlety around new wine and the blessing that it brings. And he brought it to a wedding where they'd already had old wine. They'd already had their reserve, their supply. They'd used up everything that they had and they'd run out. And they were just going about their normal everyday life. Jesus was invited to their wedding as a guest, not as a caterer. But he brought new blessing a new purpose, a new extravagance of God. Because Jesus was bringing something new to them. And Jesus is at pains to point out that that's not his problem, that they've run out of wine. Uh, He wasn't really planning on doing it. This is almost a bit of a, oh, all right then, yes, you can have have some... If that's a freebie from Jesus... Can you imagine the blessing that comes when he's genuinely intended to do a miracle? 30 gallons in each jar for however many jars there were. How many do we have? Six. 20 to 30 gallons. Six, 20 to 30 gallons. Six jars. Anyone with mental maths? So we're talking 24 to 32. Oh, this is not good. This is not good, is it? It's a lot. Six threes are 18, 180. Add the zero, carry the decimal point. When do I square root it? No, no. Anyway, the point is, it's a lot of wine. I don't know how many guests were there, but it's a lot of wine. Probably above and beyond an extravagant. And extravagance is something that Jesus does. When he feeds the 5,000, they've got 12 baskets of stuff left over. They only started with five loaves and two fish. It's, the extravagance is something that God does. And that's what I believe he has for us this year. It's something new, something extravagant, something that's beyond our expectations. You know, that new blessing, when you've reached the end of what you have... Some of you may have come to the end of 2021 and thought, you know what, I don't feel I've got anything left. I had moments like that as, as we're getting towards the end. I, I, I just don't feel that I've got anything more to give. You know, for, for some of you, you may have come into this year and feeling, you may have woken up this morning feeling, you know, I don't, I don't have anything left. They ran out of wine. And Jesus was there with an extravagant gift at just the right moment in time. To bring them something new. You know, you're just living your life. You've invited Jesus along. And sometimes we do that. We invite Jesus along with our life. You know, I'm I'm living my life. I'm doing what I've got planned. I'm doing the things that I've got planned for this year. You may have made decisions. This is what I'm going to do this year. And I'm going to invite Jesus to come and bless that. That's great. That's what these guys did at the wedding. They're having a wedding. They invited Jesus to come along. And he blessed them far more extravagantly than they could possibly imagine. 
If you've invited Jesus along this year, he is able to bless you far more extravagantly than you can possibly imagine. And it doesn't matter what has happened before. This is a new year. It's a new day. You know, this is new wine, new wine that will exceed your expectations, new wine that will be better than anything you've tried before, new wine that will be beyond what you can possibly conceive or imagine. It's a new blessing that's unlooked for, that's unhoped for, but is there and available for you. That's what we want this year. Does anyone want that this year? So do you want to know what you've got to do? It's the, it's the wrong question. Trick question. Because that's, that's our immediate response. That's what, we, that's what we think is, okay, so what do I have to do to get that? And that's what Jesus faced. That was the dominant mentality of the religious organization that he came into, was what do we have to do? That was the question Nicodemus asked him, what, or the, the rich young ruler asked him, sorry. What should I do? to inherit eternal life. In other words, there's got to be something I can do. Give me, give me an action. Give me, you know, let, let me, give me a reading plan. Give me a book. Give me something I can... There's nothing wrong with those, but what can I do to make this happen? Is the wrong question. And if you read Jesus' um, teachings to his disciples, he spends so much time fielding these questions of, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Why do we not do that? Why, why, why should we do this? Why, why should we not? Should I give to the poor? Should I not give to the poor? How many times should I forgive my neighbor? What should I be doing, Jesus? And he has to constantly reinforce this message. That it's not about what you should do. It's about who Jesus is. And we do this with New Year. New Year's resolutions are all about what we do. Okay, it's, it's starting a diet, it's, it's, it's joining the gym, it is choosing not to do things, or it's choosing to do things, it's choosing to clean things a little bit more. But it always comes back to this question of what must I do? Because I think that kind of becomes this dominant mentality that we have, that actually I have to be in control. I think if 2020 and 2021 have taught us anything, it's that we're not in control of a lot of the things that go on in our lives but that ultimately Jesus is in control. You know, the old covenant between God and the people of Israel that was originally referenced in Isaiah, that covenant was a, if you do this, I will. It was if you obey these 10 commandments and then the subsequent 700 odd laws that they added onto the top and then the additional kind of intricacies and small print that the religious leaders of the day put in. If you do all of that, you'll be saved. Jesus came to replace that entirely, not add to it, but replace it. And that culture of what must I do is something that comes through all the time. There's a danger with that. Let me give you an example of the danger with that. Does anyone, how many people in here would say that they clean their house? There's a worrying number of people without their hands up in this, in this room. I appreciate, sorry, I'm, I'm asking for more interaction and, and not everybody is up for that. So I'm going to assume if you didn't put your hand up that you do still clean your house. It's okay. There's, there's, no, there's no judgment here. But um, I don't know about you. If you're anything like us, we have a kind of... Cleaning routine is a little bit of a loose term. We, we, have, we have some rooms. We, we've got lots of small children and they make mess. 
We are also people, and we make mess, and this, you'll, you'll know if you live in a house, houses do not stay tidy unless they're show homes, and nobody lives in show homes. So in a real house, you have to clean. There will be, if you're anything like us, some rooms that you clean more than others. Is this accurate? I know, for instance, that our downstairs gets cleaned a lot more than our upstairs. Because we've got kids' bedrooms upstairs, and it's just you know they'll, they'll clean it every so often. But also, we have visitors that come downstairs, and the visitors don't tend to go upstairs, so we're okay. And if they do, they'll go to select rooms. So we may clean the bathroom when the in-laws are coming to visit, um, and we may clean the guest bedroom if you have a guest bedroom, or, or just one of your kids' bedrooms if you've got to fold out all the different beds and things that, that go on there. But there are certain rooms that will get cleaned, and there are certain rooms that won't. Third of January this year, I decided I'm going to clean a room that I have not cleaned in a very, very long time. I cleaned the porch in our house. Now, yes, I use the term room. It's not a room. It's, it's a collective dumping ground for various things that the children shed as they move into the house. And we have what we affectionately refer to as shoe mountain, um, which just kind of sits there in the corner. There's scooters, there's bikes, there's bike helmets, there's dog leads, there's dog poo bags, unused ones, um, that, that just kind of sat, sat there. And I thought, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm going to clean it. I spent four hours cleaning that. That's only a slight exaggeration, isn't it? A slight exaggeration. I spent four hours, it's four hours now, um, I spent four hours cleaning that room. And I discovered things about that room that I'd never realised in my life. For instance, I didn't realise that the windows on the front weren't frosted glass. I didn't know. I didn't realise that when I moved the box away from the wall, that the wall behind it was originally painted white. I thought the previous owners had just painted it grey. So I had to clean it all off. <laughs> Slight exaggeration. It's like you're all judging me now. This is just because I judged you for not putting your hand up now, isn't it? This is... right. But I finished cleaning that room after three or four hours room cleaned the porch area, the entranceway into our house. And I looked around and thought, this is, this is brilliant. I must invite people to come and see the porch. And then I turned around and I walked into the house where the children had been playing for three hours while I was doing that and realised the rest of the house is an absolute bombsite. But I still wanted to invite people to see the porch. So come and see the porch. By us, please, do, do come. It's very, very spectacular. Come and, see, come and marvel at the way that I've lined up our children's shoes in matching pairs in ascending size order as well. And just enjoy that experience. But please don't come in through the front door. Don't see what's behind the front door because that's an absolute mess. And that's what we do with New Year's resolutions. We'll throw something at the outside appearance and the external appearance of what we think will impress other people, and we'll post it on social media, and we'll put something out there. Oh, but please, you know, don't, don't come and look any... Don't, don't scratch the surface. Don't come and look inside the actual front door. Because we miss the point. The point is not about what you do. The point is about who lives there. So the question of who is living in your heart becomes far more relevant than what you might post on social media or what you might put out there or how you might come across to other people. Because that changes who you are from the inside out. Not from the out. You can't change yourself from the outside in. The outside is constantly aging. 
as many of you will experience. You can't change yourself from the outside in because all of that stuff is still there. You can go to the gym, you can do one of these, believe me, I've tried it. You can go and do these 12-week body transformation things where they'll teach you, tell you what to eat and everything else. And all of the stuff that was still inside is still inside. Because you need to change the residency, not just the outside appearance. So we talked about new wine, new year, new wine. We're going to touch on new year, new wine skin. Luke Luke 5, 33 to 39. This is one of those occasions where the religious leaders of the day came to Jesus and asked him, what must I do? Or rather, why are your disciples not doing what we think they should be doing? Which is a little bit less subtle. So Luke 5, 33 to 39 says this. One day, some people said to Jesus, John's disciples, or John the Baptist's disciples, fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. In other words, that's what you're meant to do. That's what we know you're meant to do. But why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Jesus responded, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not, because someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they'll fast. So Jesus gives them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. Anyone else lost yet? Sounds like Jesus is quite left field, quite lateral thinking. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. So we've got two slightly bizarre passages. New garments, cloth, new wine, new wineskins. What is Jesus trying to say? You've asked me a question about what should my disciples be doing. So let me reference something that I've done earlier. This is Luke chapter 5. This is just after, would be a number of weeks potentially, could be months, we're not sure of the exact time frame, after the wedding that he turned water into wine. Now Jesus knows his audience. He knows that some of the disciples who were there would have been at that wedding. He also knows that people who weren't at that wedding would have heard rumors about the guy who turned all this water into wine. So when he references new wine and new wineskins, he knows that he's not only referencing all of the historical context of new wine and blessing and generosity, he's also going through, I know about new wine. You know, that wedding that, that we all went to, that's, that's what that new wine that I gave to that couple who didn't deserve it, had run out of wine, who didn't even need anything, that new blessing, that extravagance, that's the kind of new wine that we're talking about here, that that new blessing would be in place. But I don't put new wine into old wineskins. I put new wine into new wineskins. Because if you try and do things the way you've always done them, in the context of this new blessing, ultimately it's not going to work. What you have to do is change who you are to allow my blessing to be at work in you. Or rather, what you have to do is change or allow me to change who you are to allow that blessing to occur. And that's why we end up with New Year, New You. 
So we've got new year, new wine, new year, new wineskins. Ultimately, this is new year, new you. Because 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 17 says this. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ or Jesus merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has come. So if you belong to Jesus, you're not an old wineskin. You don't need to worry about when he pours his blessing in that it might break you. Because you belong to Jesus. So the old life has gone. New life has come. You're not an old wineskin. You are a new wineskin. And Jesus has new wine for you. He has new blessing for you. He has new purpose for you that he wants to pour into your life. He doesn't pour new wine and new blessing into old wineskins. Stop living the way you have done. Stop thinking about life the way you have done. Stop thinking about 2022 the way you thought about 2021. It's different. Jesus wants to give you something new. And he wants to make you new in the process. The old life has gone. The new life has come. Do you know you're a new creation? Do you know you're a new creation? If you've accepted Jesus into your heart and invited him to come and live in your life, not just come into the porch, but actually into your life, you are a new creation. Not will be a new creation if you get enough work done. Not will be a new creation after you get this Bible reading plan done. Not will be a new creation after you've done or prayed the right things or said the right things. You are a new creation. But our brains take so long to catch up with that. We need to shift our minds. That's why I love the Caroline Leaf book that we're working through. And if you, if you heard Sarah talk about that and don't know what it is, please do talk to the Welcome Team, talk to any of us. We'll point you in the right direction. Because it talks about how do you actually go about that process of changing your mindset to realign your mind with the transformation that Jesus has already given you. We need to change the way we think about this year and change the way we think about the blessings that Jesus has for us. You know, this is a new year. Don't treat it like the old one. We've got Vision Sunday next week. Don't treat it like the old one. This is a new year. God has something new to say to you. God has something new to give to you. Don't treat it like the old one. Can I pray for you? Jesus, I thank you for this year. 
God, I thank you for last year. God, it was a difficult year for many of us. But Father, I thank you that you will use it to bless many, many people, that you will use it to teach us about who you are. And Father, I pray for 2022. God, for every person in this room. Father, I thank you for the blessings that you have in store for us. God, the things that you have ready to give us, the newness that is coming. Father, I pray for each of us. God, that you would help us to approach this year differently. God, that you will change our mindset. Father, you help us to see things in a new way. And Jesus, I pray that you would bless everyone in this room. And that God, that you would come and live with us, to dwell with us. God, that this year, 2022, we would look back on at the start of 2023 as the year that you came and dwelled with us. And Father, I pray that you will speak to us as this year goes on. God, that this is not a one-time event. This is not just for the wedding. But this is a continual filling from you.